This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. Good to be with you this morning. Good to be shipping in the word and being online together and talking about the things of God, great things, wonderful thing, wonder to behold and a wonder to experience in your own life. And I hope you're feeling that way. It's a gorgeous morning and it's a good day, a good day to be alive, a good day to be filled with the Holy Spirit, a good day to be taught and guided by the truth of God's word. We are in chapter 29. We're going to be in chapter 29 today and tomorrow, and then we'll kick off chapter 30 at the end of the week. And then quickly we'll be moving into the last few chapters of the book of Genesis. It is it is a neat and a great thing we've been able to do is to study through this book and come to those understandings and those knowledges that God, or that knowledge, not those knowledges, that knowledge that God has for us. And we want to do that. We've got Laban and Laban has, he's tricked, he's tricked Jacob. Laban has tricked his son-in-law and given him his oldest daughter. And Jacob's not, J- Jacob's not happy about it. He says in verse 25, he says, what have you done to, was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? And one of the things that we're going to get out of this is you're going to see is that Laban, Laban was like Jacob in that he tricked him, but Laban's also self-interested and Laban has something that's important. A lot of times when you enter into a contract or you make a deal, it's based on your own interest and not the interest of the other one. And Laban, the truth is, cares more about him and his family and their interest then he cares about Jacob, and he's willing to do what it takes, even if it's a little bit sneaky, to make Jacob do what he wants done, rather than allow Jacob to just do what Jacob wants and to get out of it what he wants. Jacob's learning a hard lesson. He's learning the lesson that it's not great to be on the receiving of deceit, and he's upset about it. And he's worked seven years to have Rachel, and Laban has given him Leah. And you always feel bad for Leah in this story. Leah is the unwanted one, and you'll see that throughout Jacob's life. And that's problematic, too, because how did Jacob learn that? He learned that from his parents. He learned that that from his parents. He learned how to pick favorites. He learned how to choose one over the other. And he's going to do that not only with his wives, he's going to do that with his son. His sons, he's going to have 12 sons, and he's going to choose two of them over the other ones. And it's it is a bad. It is the handing down of what I would just basically call sin. And everybody has favorites in life. Everybody has those things and those people that they feel an affinity toward. But the problem is that when you begin to treat, especially those you've been placed charge over differently, when you begin to treat them in a different way, because not because of the nature of their character or the quality of who they are, but because your affinity for them and and you're not 
you're not right with one because you like the other more. And I would say that, I would say that because you say, well, doesn't God he even says, Jacob have a loved, Esau have Remember, that has more to do with the quality of the person and the quality of their faith. And it doesn't have to do with their actual personality. God loves every one of us and he loves us for who we are. He loves us he loves us not for who we are as a sinner, but he loves us for our unique personality, our unique upbringing, our unique experiences in life, our unique environment that we've lived in. He loves us because we're uniquely his. And, and that love is an all-encompassing, it is agape love. It is God's love. It is a complete love for every one of us. Now, he doesn't treat us all the same because our faith and who we are requires that him, he treats us differently so that he can nurture and grow us to our maturity and our best in a different way. But that being said, he does not, he does not set one aside as more loved than the other. He loves each and every one of us with agape love. Now, if you treat your children different because they require different treatment, so that they might mature and grow, that's one thing. And that's an important thing to do. Train up a child in the way he, individual singular, that individual singular child should go. You could put she there, it's fine. Train up, I have two daughters, so it'd be train up a child in the way she should go. And when she's old, she won't depart from it. What that means is they won't turn from the things that you've taught them and the things that they've learned to walk in with God as they get older. But if I begin to actively seek to promote one child over the other at their detriment, well, I'm not loving with God's love because he doesn't promote one child, one of his children over the other to the detriment of the other. He does promoting. He's not, he's not a zero-sum game God. Oftentimes we see the world from his, and boy, I'm going to get you an economic perspective here. Oftentimes we see the world as a zero-sum game. If one gets, then the other has lost. And in fact, the enemy is teaching, teaching that false economics view in the world today pretty regularly. If one, if one receives, then the other's lost. But that's not actually how the world operates, and it's not actually how our economy operates, or it's not actually how God operates. He's not a zero-sum game God. Just because one benefits doesn't mean the other one is going to be detri have detriment for it. He's not going to be hurt by it. God, can't, God is a dynamic God, and he's created a dynamic world, and his blessings are new, and his mercies are new every morning. And so he, he is able to increase and expound upon and to grow his power, his mercy, his goodness, his favor. And that favor can grow for everyone. It can go, it can continue to become and increase. It can expand. It can grow exponentially as you go through life. And so uh, just because I am being promoted doesn't mean somebody's being demoted. It means that I can promote one and promote the other at the same time at their own rate, at the way in which they are growing in their understanding and knowledge of God. And I say that because that's important to understand. My children shouldn't be trying to compete for the crumbs. They, they should be looking for me to be growing many loaves of bread in my life so that they're not, they're not competing for the crumbs. They're getting the abundance of the growth of who I am and who I'm investing in them as they grow older. One is not over the other. Only They're only one is over the other by how much they trust God and walk by faith. Oh. Wow, that was a lot to say right there. He says he must be not done so in our country. And what Laban's saying is that's not gonna how it's going to happen with me. I'm not going to send one of my daughters off with you 
and not send both of them. And you go, whoa, that's don't work work in our culture. I'm sorry. This is not our culture. This is the culture they lived in. It's not, I don't believe it's the best to have two wives. And I don't believe it's the best to have two wives for many reasons, especially some biblical symbolism. But that being said, that doesn't mean that Laban didn't think that he had found a man who was walking in the promises of God. And he didn't want to have just one of his daughters go off with that man and have children. He wanted to have both of them. He wanted to have both of them be right in the center of God's will. Therefore, his daughters would be in the center of God's will and he would receive those blessings that come from that. He didn't want to, he didn't want either one of them to miss out. And he said, I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to send Leah in while he's drunk and I'm going to have him marry her, and then I'll give him Rachel next, and I will take care of both of my daughters, and I'll make sure both of my daughters walk in walk in the uh, favor of God, the blessing of God, have that relationship with God, because I found a young man who is in the favor of God and is blessed by God, and I want my daughters to have that very best. Now, when you look at it from that perspective, you're sitting there going, Laban was a smart man, and he was. Now he did deceive he did deceive Jacob, but his but and I'm not making any excuse for that, but I want you to understand his deception was for the purpose of making sure that both of his daughters were in the blessings of God because this young man clearly came from God's will to Laban and to that area of the world. And notice, oftentimes this is a misconception of this passage. Notice notice that what happens is not that he has to work seven years for Rachel and then he gets Leah and then he has to work another seven years to get Rachel. That is not what happens in this story. That is not how this story goes. Oftentimes it's a misconception that I've had for many, I had for many years. He said, it's not done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. What he's saying is I had to give the oldest daughter first and I'm going to give you the second daughter. He says, fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service you will serve with me still another seven years. Okay, what happened? What he said was, is you have a week of marriage and I want you to conceive children with my oldest daughter. And then after that week, I'm going to allow you to marry my youngest daughter also. And then afterwards, you can work off that seven years with her also. And what he's saying is, sure, he's going to have to work the 14 years, but he's going to get both daughters at the, relatively the same time. He marries both of them within weeks of each other, and uh, he has two wives, and uh, he's beginning to build, build the promises of God through his family. He's going to have two wives. Notice verse 27, I'll read it again. Fulfill her week, meaning Leah's week, meaning spend the week with your wife Leah and, and have that relationship. And we will give you this one also, present tense, for the service which you will, future tense, serve with me still another seven years. He's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you work for the other seven years, but I'm going to give you Rachel on the front end. I gave you Leah on the back end of the seven years. I'm going to give you Rachel on the front end of the seven years. And you go, why would he do that? Why would he give Rachel? Why would he do something like that? There's a reason for it. And I think there's a very important reason for it. And that in verse 31, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. We're going to talk about that, the verses, but the reason is he's going to get to over the next seven years, see many of his grandchildren born. And he wants to see 
his grandchildren before he knows eventually, and we're going to see that especially in chapter 30, he knows eventually that this young man is going to go back to his country, to the place where he's, the promises of God are, and he wants to see his grandchildren born. It's self-interested. There's no doubt about it. It's deceitful. No doubt about it. But I want you to notice that he doesn't do Jacob wrong in that he doesn't reward him in the way he said he was going to reward him at the end of the seven-year labor. He just ended up with two wives, and he's worked it out so that he can see his grand, some of his grandchildren be born before both of his daughters and his grandchildren leave him. Now, as a man who is hopefully not very far away from having grandchildren, I can understand his position. And that being said, I'm not saying it, it's right to deceive. I'm not saying what he did was right in any possible way to lie to Jacob, but he also fulfilled his oath with him. He just didn't do it in the way Jacob uttered it. And me as an attorney, what that means is you got to get a good lawyer when you make a contract so that he can make sure all the loopholes are covered. Just a little plug for my profession. But that being said, I would say to you this, he did fulfill the promises that he made to Jacob. He just didn't do it the way Jacob wanted it. And Jacob is learning from this. Jacob's learning. I didn't have to cheat my brother. God's promises were going to be mine anyway. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do the things I did. I could have achieved my goal and not broken my relationship with my brother. Laban achieves his goal and he doesn't destroy his relationship with Jacob in the process. He gives him the woman that Jacob actually loved, which was Rachel, but he also gets Leah too. And I would say to you, that's an important understanding of this passage, that God was going to work out his will and his plan, and he used these flawed individuals to bring that about. And he used these flawed individuals to bring that about by knowing how they're going to react to each other and knowing when you put those two together, how things were going to work out. And he ultimately is going to bring about the 12 tribes of Israel from what happens here. And Laban is going to get the full benefit of God's presence and promises. And Jacob is going to learn a fabulous lesson that you don't have to destroy relationships to get your will. And I say that as an important thing not just for you to hear, but I've said that so much for my family and for me, myself personally. So many times and people allow their anger and their self-interest to destroy the relationships they have with others and their selfishness ends the good things that God has placed in their lives. And they burn bridges and they destroy relationships in the momentary that they regret down the road in the, in the ways we go in life. The reason that happens is because we many times want our will and our way in the moment right now. And we're willing to not only do whatever it takes, including things that are clearly outside the will and the plan of God to get them, but we're also willing to destroy relationships to make them happen. And let me tell you something. If you're a bridge burner and a relationship destroyer in your life, you are cutting off avenues for God's grace and his power to be at work. And before you put yourself in a position to destroy a relationship, maybe you should be silent and wait a minute or wait a day or wait a week or wait a month 
or even wait a year to say something. Maybe you need to evaluate, am I saying this because it's for the best of that person or am I saying it because I'm trying to promote my own self-interest? And if you're saying it because you're trying to promote your own self-interest, you're very likely to destroy a relationship, burn a bridge, and cause yourself to miss out on the good and favorable and best things that happen in life down the road because you were unwilling to wait a moment to allow God to open a door to sit back and see if God was going to do something in that other person's life to fix the problem. And rather than um, allowing God to be God, you decided that you were going to walk in your own selfishness. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Try your very best to be mature. Remember, we want to take on the character of our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> and His character and His character is to be forbearing, to be long-suffering, to be patient, to wait, to hold on, and to allow, allow the will that is His will and is going to be worked out to be fully done. And that requires patience with us, and it requires for you to learn patience. And it said, then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. Verse 28, so he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as wife also. Present tense. He gave him Rachel at the same time. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. So now notice he's given both his daughters. And then he's also given them maids. He's beginning to Jacob's household. Jacob now not only has one lot wife, he has two. Now he doesn't have any. He went from no servants to, or just a few servants, to now he has two maids in his house for the fixing and the preparing of meals and for the for the work that is required to handle a household like that without electronics and, and items in the house that make it easy to, he says, it says, then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. Notice, we're perpetuating that issue. We're not breaking the chain, but we're perpetuating the issue. And uh, that issue is picking favorites. Remember, God promotes according to our faith. God does not predict, God does not pick favorites. Easy for me to say. God does not pick favorites. God promotes according to our faith and our willingness to listen to him. He loves us and blesses us because of our faith. And he loved us before our faith uh, because of his character and nature. And so our character and nature should be as his in that he, he loved us. We should try our best to walk in that God-like love, that self-sacrificial agape love. And when we're dealing with others, we do treat them differently, but we don't, be favor we don't pick favorites. What we do is we pick those who are trusting God and push them on forward. And then we ask those who are not, we beg, we cajole, we, we try our very best to give them the right path and allow them to see that path as good and pleasing and perfect. And that's how we live our lives. And we learn a lot from just studying through the book of the, the books of the Bible and especially the stories that God gives us in his word. They have richness and depth to them that is unimaginable. And I'm happy and excited each and every morning to get up and be able to spend some time with the believers studying God's Word. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.